0: faith, what is it? Being sure of our hope, convinced of what we can't see. By faith, we understand the world was set in order at God's command. By faith, Abel offered God a greater sacrifice than Cain, and for his faith, God commended him as righteous. By faith, Noah trusted God and constructed an ark for the deliverance of his family. By faith, Abraham was willing to sacrifice Isaac, his only son, believing God would still fulfill his promises. By faith, Moses chose to be mistreated with the people of God rather than enjoy sin's fleeting pleasure. By faith, God's chosen nation crossed the Red Sea on dry ground and praised him as it swallowed up the Egyptians. By faith, Rahab the prostitute escaped destruction because she welcomed the spies in peace. Time will fail me if I tell of Gideon, David, and the prophets. By faith, they administered justice. Shut the mouths of lions quenched raging fire, but others were imprisoned murdered, and wandered in deserts mountains and openings in the air
1: if you have a way to see god 's word I know I walk up here during the video and I 'm probably blocking your way but I don 't know where else to stand to be honest with you but appreciate your patience with me we're trying to learn how to handle all this technology we 're in Experiencing God, and we're probably at one of the most uh, amazing parts of the study. For some of you, it's a little overwhelming when you uh, will be going through the study this week, I guarantee you, because when I first went through it 20-some years ago, uh, it was to me uh, to see how faith is the key element that goes into this relationship with Christ. And the point I'm trying to make is, is, as you'll see this week, we're going to be dealing with what's called a crisis of belief and adjustments. And so this week, what I want to focus on, just like your study will focus on there with you in your small groups and in your personal time, you'll be dealing primarily this week with the crisis of belief. And so look at the introduction there on your outline. This is basically uh, taken right out of the words of the book itself, the, the workbook. A crisis of belief is not calamity, but a turning point where you must make a decision. It is a a situation that forces you to decide what you truly believe about God. And then the way that you respond at this turning point will determine whether you'll become involved with God in something God-sized that only He can do, or whether you will continue to go your own way and miss what He proposed for your life. I think when I look back over my own life, I can definitely see the times in which a crisis of belief came my way. There were times in my life, and I think many of you would say the same thing, where you definitely saw where God was moving in your life, and you stepped out on faith, and you went his way, and all of a sudden, it wasn't what you thought it was gonna be. All of a sudden, there was a rush of emotion that came. Maybe it was fear, maybe it was doubt, whatever it may have been. But the point is that God is still seeing you through even the crisis of belief. And that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. Now, as we saw in the video, many of the people in Scripture, if you look at all of them, especially those mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11, they all followed the heart of God, but there came a moment when they all had a crisis of belief. And the reason I think they're mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11 is because they responded properly to their crisis of belief. They made adjustments in their life in in such a way that they continued to follow the path that God had for them. And this would include Moses and the Israelites here in Exodus chapter 14. And so really the question is this for you personally. What in your life has led you to a crisis of belief? There's some of you, I guarantee you, that are sitting here right now. And you know that God has led you to a certain point in your life. And by the fact, if you believe God is demonstrating his His purpose and his plan in your life, then you're all a part of his plan. Then there are those moments where we kind of sit back and say, God, what are you up to? This is bigger than me. And that's what a crisis of belief does. So how do you overcome your crisis of belief? The first thing you'll see there on your outline is realize that God knows where you are. Think about it. God knows exactly where you are. If you go back and you follow the story of Moses and the Israelites, you're going to see that God prepared Moses for this moment that he's there at the Red Sea. It took 80 years to prepare Moses for what he was about to be a part of. Not only that, we see in the story, many of you are familiar with the story, the 10 plagues. And and Pharaoh is there. He won't let the people go. And there's 10 plagues in which God brings to the Egyptians and Pharaoh himself. And and they say, and Pharaoh says no and no. And we read in scripture that that he hardened his heart towards God. And then all of a sudden, God hardened his heart. And we begin to see that play out. And then Pharaoh finally, after the 10th plague, agrees to let him go. And the nation of Israel begins to move out and they leave, and God leads them to the edge of the Red Sea. So look at Exodus chapter 14, verse 1. Now the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel that they turn and camp before Pi Hithroth. Y'all love it when I hit these words. So you just sit there and make fun of me. You're probably taking bets on whether I say it right. That's fine. But anyway, you get up here and try this. Okay, but anyway. He says, this location will be between Migdal and the sea opposite of Baal Zephon, and you shall camp before it by the sea. Now, again, where's this instruction coming from? It's coming from God himself. God brought them right there to that place, and you need to keep that in mind as it relates to the rest of the story. Of course, we know the whole story. God leaves them there, and it is here that they're going to experience one of many crises of beliefs so whether you know it today or not god knows where you are now think about it no matter your circumstance he knows no matter the news you just received he knows no matter what you're going through he knows no matter your greatest worry or fear he knows no matter what obstacle you've run up against he knows god knows exactly where you are in your life. And for many of you, as, as he continues to lead your life, here's one thing you got to think about. He's probably led you to where you are today. And that's kind of haunting when you think about it, that this, the very obstacle that you're dealing with this morning, the crisis of belief you're dealing with this morning, there's a good chance that he led you there. Now, for some of us, let's just face it, sometimes we, we have obstacles and we have circumstances that are of our own doing. And there are those times where there's repercussions to decisions that we make in our life. But many times, God directs us to these places of crisis of belief. So if God has allowed it in your life, the thing that's led to your crisis of belief, here's what you need to understand. He's up to something. He's up to something. Someone has said, when you face difficulty in life, remember there is. Look here on the screen. No sea is deeper than the oceans of his love. No army is stronger than his own. No force greater than his throne of grace. And no enemy who can overcome his work in your life. That's what we got to keep in mind. That's the God that we serve. That's the God that many times carries us to the point of a crisis of beliefs. So no matter where you are or what you're facing, here's what we need to keep in mind based on the authority of God's word. We are in his keeping we are in his appointed time. And most of all, we are under his training. I want you to think about this. God prepared Moses to where he led the nation of Israel, where he led himself. God does that. And here's what's interesting. This Red Sea event that's going to take place in their life that leads them to a crisis of belief will be one of many the nation of Israel will face. And it's all an attempt, I believe, for the people of God to turn and focus their attention on God himself. And that's really the whole point of the crisis of belief when you think about it. And so let's continue on, what, what happens next? Not only do we need to realize God knows where you are, but we need to focus on God, God's glory, then our deliverance. Now I want you to think about this. When facing a crisis of belief, our natural inclination is to ask, how did I get in this mess? and how quickly can I get out of it? How many of you can relate to that? We can, can't we? It's not a matter of the fact that we want to be there. We want to know not only how did we get here, but how quickly can we get out of this? Not only that, we begin to ask the why questions. Why did this happen to me? How many of you have ever even asked asked the question, why me? We've all been there. And the question is, sometimes it comes to this point, does God even care? Look at Exodus chapter 14, verse three. It says, for Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, they are bewildered by the land. The wilderness has closed them in. You see, Pharaoh was observing. He knew, the enemy knew where things, how things were playing out. He was fully aware. And, and many times when you think about it, the enemy is the same thing in our life. The enemy begins to work in our life. And when he sees an opportunity that, that opens up in your life, he's going to get in there. He's going to bring doubt. He's going to bring worry. He's going to bring. He brings all these things to the table. And guess why? He's going to do the same thing here. Just as Pharaoh saw an opportunity to engage the people of God, the enemy does the same thing to us. Verse 4, then I, God, will harden Pharaoh's heart so that he will pursue them. Now, I want you to think about this. God is using the enemy to accomplish his purposes. Think about that. I don't know about you, but at times that kind of blows my mind. But it shows you the sovereignty of God. And it says this, and I will gain honor, gain honor his army. Know that I am the Lord. And they did so. It's very interesting that not only was God working on behalf of the Israelites. He was also determined superiority over the nation of Egypt. And what's interesting about Egypt during that time, they had the most powerful army in the ancient world at that time. And God was about to show off. So God was orchestrating. Here's what you need to understand about the people of Israel. He was literally orchestrating their crisis of belief. Why would he do that? Well, from the text, we understand, to bring glory to himself. And some of you may say, you know something, I don't think that's right. I don't think God needs to be using me in that way. Well, guess what? We are His if we know Him as our Lord and Savior, and He can choose to do as He desires. But here's what we need to understand about the outcome of that. It will always work to our good. It will always work to our good. So what was He doing? Well, He was orchestrating the crisis of belief to bring glory to Himself, and here's something else He was doing, and to remove the threat of Egypt completely. Now, think about this. When we focus on the future, we are to focus on the future when it comes to God. What is God up to? Where is he leading? It's all implying future, not to focus on the past. Now, think of this. From this point on, he's going to destroy the army of Pharaoh. And as a result of that, the people of Israel won't continue to look back. He's going to take care of the enemy. Think about that. So they don't have to focus on the past, they can look forward to the future, what God may do for them and through them. And so, so many times the crisis of belief is not only intended to bring glory to God, but secondly, it's also the work to our favor, that we can look to where God is leading. And that seems to be what's happening here. So, have you ever thought that it is a privilege and an honor to bring glory to God, no matter what the path? How many of you have gone through a very difficult time in your life and you didn't see any worth in anything that you dealt with other than the fact that it may have brought God glory? Man, that is the greatest place we can be, really, when you think about our life. He gave his life that we give him our life in return. And he does great things. Next overcome your crisis of belief. God knows where you are. Focus more on God's glory than your deliverance. And thirdly, evaluate the source of your crisis of belief. Where's all this stemming from? Where's all of it coming from? Well, first of all, it may be coming from your enemy, your enemy or the enemy. Now, who, who are the enemies when it comes to our lives? Primarily, it's made up of three things. Your enemy is made up of three things. Did you know that the world is contrary to us. You know that? The Bible tells us that in Romans chapter 12. It's working in opposition to the declared purposes of God. So there's the world. That can be an enemy. There's our own flesh. Did you know your, your own flesh can be your own enemy? How many of you ever felt that before? That's interesting, isn't it? And and so our own flesh can serve as our enemy. But in this case of what we're reading here in the text, it's Pharaoh. And what's interesting about Pharaoh is when you go back and you study the story of the Israelites, what you'll find is a lot of similarities to to the Israelites to the believers of today and the things that they face. And Pharaoh, in this case, seems to represent Satan himself in their life. And so look at what it says in verse 5 the king of Egypt that the people had fled, and the heart of Pharaoh turned against the people, and they said, why have we done this that we've let Israel go from serving us? Why why did we let them go? It was a mistake. So he made ready his chariot and took his people with him. Also, he took 600 choice chariots, and all the chariots of Egypt were with captains over every one of them. Again, this is the most powerful army in the world at this time. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the children of Israel. And the children of Israel went out with boldness. So the Egyptians pursued them. All the horses and chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen and his army, and overtook them camping by the sea beside Pahithroth before Baal sephon Okay, keep laughing. Okay, but, but that, so we see that this is something that's obviously creating a crisis of belief in them. There's a major obstacle that's come up in their life. They look before them and all they see is open sea. They look behind them and they see the the enemy's army uh, penetrating and coming up against them. And they had to be wondering, they had to be wondering, Moses, why did you lead us here? When Moses, all he had to say was, God led us here. God took them to the exact place he wanted them to go. Now, here's what's interesting about this. This, again, is where God wants to be exalted. This is a place where God wanted us to come to a point where he wanted him to come to a point that they had to acknowledge him. So here's what's interesting about this whole theme. In the Psalms, King David would start identifying with his pain, his obstacles, and his crisis of belief while crying out to God in his deliverance. How many of you have read a Psalm like this? That's how many of them are. Then he would come to realize that those things he faced had the ability to bring God glory. And eventually before the Psalm is over, that Psalm itself, he would eventually understand that this, bringing bringing glory to God, was also in his deliverance because that's what his life was to supposedly be all about. So we see that so clearly here. Now, what do we do? How do we overcome this crisis of belief? Evaluate the source of your crisis of belief. First of all, your enemy, but secondly, your emotions, your emotions. Now, let me just say this. Here's what I've noticed about people as it relates to the makeup of many people in the flesh acting as an enemy in a person. Many times, there's something that starts out as fear. From the fear comes doubt. How many of you have noticed that in your own life? Your fear tends to always lead to doubt. So you have this fear and it's bigger than you are and it's grander than you are and you don't know what to do about it. And all of a sudden you begin to doubt your own abilities. You begin to doubt God. You begin to doubt everything about your life. For many people, the third step is a rebellious spirit. How many of you have ever seen that? What does a rebellious spirit sound like? Why, God? Sometimes we think that's just harmless talk. Sometimes we think that's just, just us expressing a heart to God. And the psalmist did it several times, as I said before. King David himself, why God? But really, you know what that reveals? It reveals the pattern of fear, then doubt, then it could potentially lead to a rebellious spirit. And so we may entertain those things just as the psalmist, but hopefully, eventually, we come to an understanding that God is bigger than anything that we're up against, that should take away the fear. And the doubt. So look at what happens in verse 10. And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. They basically said, oh, my goodness, they're coming after us. So they were very afraid. You know what? The, you know how to translate very afraid? Terrified. They were terrified. They were going to come and slaughter them. That's, that's what they thought. And so basically, most of the time, if you think about it, our fears and our anxieties keep us in bondage to the things that are in our lives, keeps us from moving forward, keeps us from trusting God himself. But again, where does it originate? Many times it originates from our fear. I've shared this with you many times, but I think you need to hear this over and over again. I need this reminder. But did you know that 60% of our fears never come to to pass? How many of you have ever been worked up on something and nothing come of it? How many of you have noticed at night it seems even more magnified? How how many of you have been, been, there's something you're dealing with, maybe something you're worried about, and then fear kind of grips your soul, and at night it seems to be so much worse. Doesn't it seem like that? And, and all of a sudden, but you got 60% of those things that never come to pass. 20% of our fears are focused on the past, and that's completely out of our control. Think about that. 10% of our fears, if we really think about it, are petty. Now, at night, they don't seem petty, do they? But how many of you have awakened the next morning and think, you know, that's really not, not a big deal? Why, why did I make it such a big deal about that? Or maybe we go through it and we come out on the other side and we think, that really wasn't a big deal. We ourselves would even call it petty. Lastly, 10% of our fears could really be justifiable. But really only 5% are. So that's 5%, meaning 95% of our fears are a total waste of time. Isn't that amazing? Some of you are sitting here saying, I don't know about that. Well, you're just a negative Nelly. That's all I got to say. You're an Eeyore of living. I mean, whatever you are. But the, the fact is, it's true. We get all worked up. And, and our emotions, if you really think about it, it's our emotions that betray us. How many of you have noticed that? And the same thing was going here. Now, let's put ourselves in their, in their shoes. They're sitting there, and the only thing they see is a sea. They see the cloud of dust that's coming from this mighty army that's coming for them. Now, what would you feel during that moment? We would've been terrified ourselves, wouldn't we? But God's getting ready to do something pretty amazing when you think about it. So, what happens? How to overcome our crisis of belief? Look at what we should do. Fix your focus on God and pray. Pray. What did they do? The second part of verse 10 and the children of Israel, Lord. That was prayer, y'all, prayer. How many of you have sent out those terrifying prayers before, you were terrified? Peter is out there, walking on the water. Remember the picture? He's out there. Jesus, the big storm, Jesus, by the way, was the one that told him to go to the other side. So Jesus is, they're sitting in the boat. They're terrified about what's happening with the weather, the, the waves, all this thing. And all of a sudden, they look out there, and they think it's a ghost. No, no, it's not a ghost. That's Jesus. He's walking on the water. Pretty impressive when you think about it, right? And what does Peter say? Hey, I want to do that trick. No, <laughs> I want to walk on the water. Let me come to you. He said, well, come on. And he goes out. And the whole time he keeps his eyes on Jesus, he seems to be okay. But the Bible says he kind of lost his focus of Jesus and started probably looking at himself, thinking, Man, look at me. And what happened? He started sinking, right? What what did he say? Help me, Lord. Do you know what that was? That was a prayer. How many of you ever said that prayer before? (laughs) That's a desperation prayer. So many times our crisis of belief is intended to turn our attention to God. But remember, God introduced them to this crisis of belief. He put it right in front of them, causing a reaction for them to turn to him. So really, when you think about it, our crisis of belief has a way of turning our religious rituals and prayers into earnest pleas and desperate cries for God. This all directed towards a loving father amazing how that works, isn't it? How we get really serious about God when the tough times come. And, and many times I think it's just a, a redirecting of focus that God wants to say, I got this. Trust me. Live like I've told you to live by faith. Next, how to overcome your crisis of belief. Trust God to work through your crisis of belief. Trust God to work through it. Charles Spurgeon the Lord will make a way when no foot has been before. That which, that which like a sea threatens to drown you shall be a highway for your escape That's pretty deep isn't it? And that's really what's getting ready to happen here Exodus chapter 14 look at verse 11 then they said to Moses because there are no graves in Egypt have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? why have you dealt you so dealt with us to bring us out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? Instead of being in this place, in this crisis of belief, we just soon be in bondage back where we were. That's desperation. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. What do you see play out here? The same thing that can play out in our lives. Just as I said earlier, fear became doubt, which is now becoming a rebellious spirit. And that's what you find in the Israelites. And verse 13, and I love this. This is one of my favorite verses. And Moses said to the people, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Are you kidding me? Look what's coming. And then here's what he said. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. That word, stand still, if you really think about it, could be shut your mouth and watch what God's getting ready to do. That's, that's what we could literally say here. Which he, listen, stand still, see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for whom? For you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. Now, that's what's interesting about this story. And I don't know about you, but I never put this together, that Moses actually saw what God was going to do before God did it. What does that tell us about his faith? Boy, that had grown a lot, hadn't it? But the nation of Israel is still sitting there in their infancy in their faith. And so the Lord, he says in verse 14, the Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your He's basically saying, he's going to do this, and guess what? It should keep you from complaining from here on out. But does it? You know the story. Everywhere these poor people turn, nag, 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 complain, complain, complain. It was all over the place. Now, here's what we need to understand from this. You and I cannot solve every problem, cure every hurt, avoid every fear, and overcome our crisis of belief on our own. How many of you have lived long enough to realize that? Here's what what maturity as I've gotten older has taught me. That I can't do all the things I think I can do. That if it's broke, I have within me full authority to fix it. When it's broke, I have full ability to fix it. How many of you started noticing that as you got older? The older you get, the more you realize so many more things are out of your control than you ever thought. But when you're in, tw- in your 20s, you think you can conquer anything, don't you? In your 30s, you're still going pretty strong. Man, you hit 40 and you're like, what in the world just happened? How many of you, it kind of happened to you that way? I used to think, I really did. If you were sick, just go to the doctor, they'll know what to do. Now, I'm not knocking doctors, I'm not. But I used to think they could fix anything I was dealing with and it would be done just like that. Boy, was that naive? I used to think I could go to the preacher. If I had an issue and I had a problem, he'll tell me exactly what I need. I can walk away and it's fixed. Some of you have been to me. You know that doesn't work sometimes. (laughs) But it is when God shows up. God shows up when those things are out of our control. Now, here's, here's what we need to understand about this whole scene. Psalm 37 says this. Look here on the screen. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Okay, let's apply that to what they're dealing with. Standing on the shores of the Red Sea, no place to go. Our, the most powerful army in the world at that time is closing in. They literally had to be thinking they're gonna be slaughtered. How do we know that? Because they said they're gonna put our graves right here. Okay, so they thought they were getting ready to be slaughtered. And then all of a sudden, there's a psalmist that's out there saying, Hey, I know things are tough. I know things are not easy, but you just rest in the Lord. Rest in the Lord. Are you kidding me? And it gets worse. Just wait patiently. Look at what's coming. How many of you can relate to that in your life? And the Word of God says what? Rest in the Lord. Wait patiently. And yet we're all up in a tizzy. And then he says... Do not fret. Don't fear. Because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass, cease from anger and forsake wrath. He's basically saying what we tend to do when we're in these moments is is we don't rest in the Lord. We don't trust him. We're not waiting patiently. And we begin to fret because we begin to look at everybody else's life. That's literally what the verse is saying. And we begin to say, why are things working out so well for them? God, don't I deserve the same thing? And then he says, be cautious. Don't be angry. Don't do that. Don't fret. It only causes harm. It causes you to react in a way you shouldn't react. And we see it so clearly in this text in Exodus chapter 14. So here's really what we need to understand. Don't let circumstances. Don't let the thing that causes your crisis of belief lead you to fear, then doubt, and then a rebellious spirit. I can't tell you how many times people come up to me and and, and I'll ask. Us, uh, I, I, of course, my question is about where's your faith at this moment? And many times I just kind of put it out. What's going on in your life? How, how are you doing? What, what's happening? Well, I... Uh, I kind of gave up on the Lord 20 years ago. Something came into my life and it was more than I could handle and started, if you listen to a story long enough, fear was associated there many times that led to doubt. They started doubting God, started doubting whether he cared or not that led them to a rebellious spirit. So you're saying that the person that's been hurt in their life you're saying that that person who's turned their back on God because they were hurt, because God didn't meet their expectation, you mean they're living in a rebellious spirit? Absolutely. It sounds very innocent. It sounds like, oh, you poor thing, God let you down, bless your heart. I'm sure He didn't mean it. And, and, but here's what you gotta understand as much as our sympathies and empathies may go out to them, the thing we gotta understand is the fact they're still living in a rebellious heart. They have a rebellious spirit about them. They've turned their back on God. They never stayed around long enough to see God work in their life through the crisis of belief. And many of you may be in that situation. Some of you, listen, I I know the heart of people. I've been around it, I've heard it. It shows up many times. Here's the thing you got to realize. There's a lot of you, maybe you're sitting here today and your crisis, of belief came about because there was a relationship that went south. And all of a sudden, you were hurt. And it was more than you could handle. And all of a sudden, you're sitting there and you're like, you know something? I don't want to hear the person's name. I don't want to hear anything good about the person. The only thing I want to hear is something bad about the person. You ever been there? I've been there quickly said, that's not what we're to be about. I thank God that he intervened in my life to turn my heart away from that. And the reason I know that is because I've seen other people where they didn't allow God to turn their heart. And they became bitter year after year after year. And their bitterness, and you've seen it, is right there on their face. How many of you have ever seen people that way? There's no joy, there's no peace, just bitterness. It's right there. They identified so much with it, it's almost like they're wearing it. You say, Why do you bring this up? I don't know. That's for somebody in the room. But let me just say this God wants to do something greater than you could ever imagine. And you know something? When God began to work in my life, when, when I started having that crisis of belief and I didn't understand why he was up to and it seemed like the people I had resentment towards was prospering and they did me wrong or I felt like they did me wrong, you know something? God just radically changed my heart. And I'm like, I'll am be honest with you, that was a painful endurance there. But on the other side, there's freedom. There's freedom. I don't feel the bondage in my heart anymore. I don't feel like I'm living in a rebellious spirit anymore. If that name came up or if they said something or something else, I didn't worry about that anymore. I gave it to Him. and That was my crisis of belief. And He brought me to a point of understanding that, that, that my life is not about the people who hurt me, my life is about Him. And what he wants to do in and through my life. And and if I would have stayed there, I would have shut down everything God wanted to do in my life. I'm convinced of it. God wants to do something. So let me just say this. This is part one of this sermon. We're going to look at the next points next week. But I want to close with this. Experiencing God. God is always at work around you. How many of you have an understanding of that right now? He is constantly always working. Number two, God pursues a continuing relationship with you that is real and personal, in which He's preparing and equipping you. With God, you know what I've noticed? I've, lo- I've lived long enough life now to go back and see how in my life. And you know something? He never wasted a moment in my life. Even the things that I went through, even where my fear led to doubt, led to rebellious spirit. He's even been able to use that in my life where I could use it with other people and stand here today and share it with you. God takes all those things. Thirdly, God invites you to become involved with him in his work and in his calling. And you say, well, that's left up to the pastors and missionaries and those that we equipped here today. uh, No, no, no. of ways. Fourthly, God speaks through the Holy Spirit, his word, prayer, and circumstances to reveal his purposes and his ways. We saw that in the last couple of weeks. And then today, God's invitation many times leads you to a crisis of belief that requires faith and action to proceed I want to end this the way we started it in the video. Hebrews chapter 11, verse six. Now, without faith, it is impossible to please God. It's impossible. So what does that mean? I must come to the understanding that my crisis of belief is there in which faith may have relevance in my life. Because every crisis of belief I've ever dealt with I had, to, I had, faith had to be the thing that carried me through it. How, how many of you have been there? It's the only thing I could lean on. It, it wasn't words from someone. It wasn't this, this TV show I saw that helped. No, it, it was faith in God. And, and, and so then he says, now faith, now without faith is impossible to please God. Since the one who draws near to him, listen, must believe that he exists. Isn't it amazing how Christ crisis of belief, we even wonder, God, do you even exist? We go from do you even care to there is no God. That's what we find sometimes. And then it says that, he, that believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. What does it mean to seek him? How, how does this verse tell me to seek him? I seek him by faith. I came to know him as my Lord and Savior, how? By faith. I live my life. To faith. I will get through my crisis of belief. How? By faith. I will end this life and appear before him by faith, but a faith that will become what? Sight one day. And that's what we have. And that's what he desires. Faith is required when we face a crisis of belief. I want to invite you to stand with me if you will. Let's go to the Lord. But Lord and over. there's maybe people here today that they've allowed their fear to become doubt, in which maybe their result of it was because of hurt. But they've never seen even that as the fact they have a rebellious spirit. Father, I know that many times we hide behind our hurt. We hide behind those who wrongly accused us or wrongly done things to us. And we think we're justified to sit in our hurt. You call us to greater things. You call us to a life of faith that when it doesn't make any sense, when we look around and it seems even those people that have hurt us are prospering and it causes us to be even more angry. And Father, I just pray for those that are here today, that Lord, they can turn this crisis of belief that came from a place they never expected. That Lord, you would turn it into something beautiful in their life that they can come out from under that bondage of resentment and anger and wrath. Father, I just pray for them here today. Father, we also look to you this morning, realizing there may be someone here today that doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior. Taking those first steps of faith, to, to acknowledge you as, as not only their creator, but also their Savior. And Maybe they've never realized that their sin has to be dealt with. They can deal with it on their own, or they can ask you to deal with their sin by what you did through your son, Jesus, through his death, burial, and resurrection on the cross. Father, I just pray, Lord, that if there's someone here today that, that has realized today by sitting here that, that, Lord, you want to save them from their sin and turn their heart towards you, Father, I pray that it be the day that they give their heart to you. We thank you for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to be here at the front and if God's done it, maybe you just want to pray with you. Maybe this is the day you've given your life to Jesus. I'll be here at the front. Love to hear about it. Love to forward. We just ask you to do what God's doing in your heart today. Would you sing with us? I'll be here at the front.